back in July, I had some time with my son, and my son goes, Dad, I'm into fishing. I love fishing. Do we have any fishermen in the church? Do we have any, or women? Anybody who's into fishing? You're into fishing, huh? Okay. Well, they're into fishing. <laughs> I see some wives pulling their husbands' heads. Yeah, fishing. He goes, I'm into fishing. He goes, problem is I'm using, at, at, at Teen Challenge, I'm using the, the rod and reel that they have, and it's bad. He goes, is there any way I could get a rod and reel? And I said, well, I think we can do this. I think we can. And so I said, let's, let's go out and get one. And he's thinking, we're going to Cabela's. And Cabela's is a good place. Cabela's is a good place. I said, no, 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 no. We're going local. We're going local. I, I've been around enough here. We're going local. So we, we ended up in Annandale. All right? Yeah. I got some of you fishermen know what I'm talking about. There's that little store there in Annandale, you know? You know it's a good store when there's a dog greeting you at the door. All right, that's a good store. And we walk in. Now, here's the thing. I go fishing with people, but I don't eat fish. Fish does not agree with my stomach. I get sick if I eat fish, so I don't eat fish. So I don't know anything about fishing. All right? I just don't. But the one gift I have, besides, well, I have two gifts. I know how to pick a great wife, all right? And the second one is I know how to find people who are smart. So I walk into the store, and there's a few people in the rods and reels. And so I start sizing them up. And, you know, there's this one young guy, and he's, you know, looking around, and he's, you know, playing with stuff, and there's this other guy, and he's playing with stuff, and then there's this older guy, you know, he smells like worms, you know, you can just, you can just tell, he's got the hat, he's got some hooks in it, he's got the fishing vest. You can see the sunburned skin on top of sunburned skin on top of sunburned skin. You know he's a walking commercial for skin cancer. You just know it. Because he's been out in the boat forever. And I walked over to him and I said, Sir, I know nothing about fishing. You see, when you walk up to someone who knows something, you got to be honest, because they'll see right through you. Sir, I know nothing about fishing. My son wants to become a fisherman. He loves fishing. And we're here to buy a rod and reel. Sir, may I tap into your wisdom? May I tap into your years of experience? And the guy steps out, oh, I don't know, I don't know nothing. I'm better at, I, I, you know, 
If I knew how to catch them, that'd be a different story. I just know how to fish. I don't know how to catch, you know, and all that stuff. I said, come on, come on. I'm not asking you for where your holes are that you catch the big ones. Can you help my son find a good pole? Well, all right. And he started asking my son questions. What are, you, what are you trying to fish for? Are you on the dock or are you in the boat? Okay, and, and when you throw, what kind of, how, tell me about your cast. And how much experience have you had? What's your price range? And, and then he starts digging through the poles. And I really breathed a sigh of relief when he didn't dig in the expansive ones. <laughs> and next thing I know, he reaches back he goes, try this one. And he goes, and this is the perfect reel for it. He goes, that reel, you should be able to get X amount of years out of it. Sorry, it comes with so much line and it's this kind of weight. And for the type of fish you're doing, da-da-da-da. And because of the lakes you're doing, you need to talk to this guy and this guy. I'll give you their phone numbers. Cha-ching, I... I got the right guy. And so we got ready to go up to the, to the register. I turned to him, I said, Sir, I just want to say thank you for taking a few minutes of your time and helping a young guy out. Um, th this kid loves fishing. He goes, Hey, if we old guys don't invest in these young guys, and pass the faith along, you know, well, that's what we're here for. We got to pass on our love for fish, and we got to pass on this stuff. We got to pass it on. Got to pass it on. I walked to the register. I said, Hey, uh, this is what we're getting. The guy goes, Wow, you're getting this at that price? Oh my, this is, this is amazing stuff. I said, Yeah, that, that, that guy over there told me, he goes, Oh yeah, that. That guy knows his stuff. He'll tell you anything you need to know. Just don't ask him where his holes are. That just don't do that, you know. And you know what? If if that guy hadn't been in the store, I'd been on the phone to Tom Coons. I'd been like, Tom, what do I get so I look smart in front of my kid? You know. You got to go to the people who know their stuff. You got to ask the right people. But that phrase he said, I got to pass it on. It's biblical. It's biblical. That's what Paul had in mind when he wrote Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust or pass on to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Entrust. Pass on. We need to be actively passing on our faith to the next generation.
We need to be raising up spiritual generations who can now pass on to other generations. The Christian faith is always one generation from dying out. And every generation must pass the torch to the next. Are we investing into the next generation? I have a question this morning. Gentlemen, I'm going to just ask the men. I'm not going to ask the ladies because I'm not going to get in trouble. How many of you men are 40 or more in the age? Who are you passing on to? Who are you investing in? Who are you Pouring in. Ladies, I'm not going to ask for your hands to go up. But the question is yours as well. I remember when my wife came home one day and she was visibly shaken. A young woman of the church had pulled her aside and said, I need to talk. It was our, our second church together. It was in Turlock. And she goes, as one of the mature ladies of the church, I need you to invest in me. What shook her up was the word mature. But this is what she was being challenged to live out. Would you entrust to me so how do we do it? Well, first of all, we need to understand the power of a seed in the right soil. Remember Jesus' parable about the sower? He talks about how a sower goes out and he throws seed and he throws seed. Most of his seed, it sounds like the guy was horrible aim. Kind of like the twins have been in the last couple games, you know? Just Bad game, bad throwing. I think I hit too close to home on that illustration. <laughs> but just boom. But then it says, and some fell on good soil and grew and yielded, catch this, 100 fold. Now right now, is one of my favorite times of year in that it's apple season. Think about it. I mean, what's your favorite? Shout it out. What's your favorite kind of apple? Come on, come on. Yeah. What? You're allergic. Oh, poor kid. Must be some sin in your life, I'm sure. Yeah. We go back way, way, way far. I knew him when he was this big. So, so yeah, he, he knows I love him and we're teasing. But, uh, yeah, Zestar, Honeycrisp, Sweet Tango, Sweet Sixteen, you name it. But I have a question for you. How many seeds are in an apple? How many seeds are in an apple? Eight? Four? I don't know. 
But I got a better question for you. How many apples are in a seed? That's our question. How many apples are in a seed? When our investment in the gospel and a person's life takes hold, it multiplies, it grows, it touches more and more and more lives. We touch one life and then that life touches another and the gospel expands from life to life in an exponential fashion and that hundredfold takes root. And this allows us to be part of future generations. And God gives us a role in His legacy. As my friends and family come to Christ, they lead others to Christ who lead others. And it goes on and on and on. And you are here today because you were part of someone else's orchard. How many seeds in an apple? A whole forest worth of apple trees. Secondly, entrusting the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus Christ's sake. Many of you are too young to know about this, but I remember it. How many of you remember the great new Coke failure. Any of you remember that? Yeah. Coca-Cola was in trouble. And so they came out with new Coke. They pulled old Coke off the shelf. Nobody liked the new Coke. So then everybody liked old Coke. In some ways it was brilliant marketing. Because then Old Coke became the Coke everybody wanted. And New Coke, well, it disappeared. Horribly. Failure. The company went back to the tried and true formula. You don't mess around with the best, they found out. For the Christian, the key to spiritual growth has not changed for 2,000 years. The formula has not changed what may be old news for me is brand new news for the new believer. And we must teach those who follow how to keep their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. We must help the next generation know how to love and know God, how to love and know God's Word, how to pray, how to live in community, how to know truth, how to share their faith, how to rely on the Holy Spirit. But most importantly, we must focus on Jesus. Your eyes off Jesus is not of Jesus. We live in an age that's very much not about Jesus. And it's infiltrating the church. I was listening to a preacher to get ready for this sermon, and this preacher goes, Now, now I was studying and and I was praying and and I was listening to this angel that was speaking to me. And the angel said, don't talk about Jesus. Talk about the vision I gave you. Talk about me. Talk about me. And friends, here's what I know about angels. Angels don't talk about themselves. 
Angels talk about Jesus. So if something's telling you to talk about anything other than Jesus, it's not from Jesus. If they have a degree. I don't care if they have an experience. The Holy Spirit talks about Jesus. Angels talk about Jesus. Bible talks about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. In fact, friends, if I ever try to lead this church away from Jesus, I know these elders will remove me in a heartbeat. And so they should. Don't you put up with that. And that's what we have to pass along. We must pass on a love for Jesus to this next generation. A love for His Word, a love for His truth. Also, we have to become spiritual parents. Listen to Paul. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Have you ever had a guide? I've had many through the years. Some were better than others. Some were very memorable and some were very forgettable. But here's the thing about every guide. They all left. When they were finished their time, they were gone. Some were great. They generally cared about me. They wanted what was best. Some of my guides, I was just a face in the crowd. One guide in particular, I was simply a way to make money. But you know what the thing about guides? They're not parents. Look what Paul says. I'm your father. Listen to me. I love you with a love that won't leave. I will be here through good and bad. I will do what it takes to help you grow in your faith. I know and expect you to mess up, but I will not stop loving you. I will correct you when you need to be corrected, encourage you when you need to be encouraged. I will be your parent. I told you about that guy, Bob. I'm reading his book. Last week I shared one of his stories. I'm going to share another one of them. When his kids would turn 10, he would take them on a 10-year-old adventure. So each kid turns 10, he says, what do you want to do for your 10-year-old adventure? One of the kids said, I want to ride motorcycles all the way across the Mojave Desert. The Mojave Desert has a place in it called Death Valley. Ten-year-old, I want to go across Death Valley on motorcycles. Dad says, why not? Sounds like fun. So they get their motorcycles. They start going. Now up to this point, they had ridden motorcycles on the beach. So you have, you know, 30, 40, 50 foot sand dunes. In the Mojave Desert, those sand dunes grow to 700 feet tall. So when you get to the bottom of a sand dune, you have to take your motorcycle and rev it and go as fast as you can up the hill. Because if you don't, you get bogged down, you've got to go all the way back down and try it again. Well, 10-year-old boys, do we have any in here right now? 
Ten-year-old boys get tired of doing that. So his son came up with a great idea. If I could get enough speed going up this one sand dune, I could jump to the top of the next one. So his dad sees him going 60 mile an hour up the top to the top and flying in the air. All he can do is scream, no! His son hits on the other side. 120 foot jump. Pretty good jump. There is no motorcycle left. His son is sprawled in the sand. He revs his bike. He gets over there as fast as he can. He looks at his son. And his son sits up and goes, Awesome. <laughs> and his dad goes, Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. people we invest in are going to fail. <laughs> they're going to fail spectacularly. I mean, they're going to blow it. And their motorcycles are going to be, of whatever ministry they're in, is going to be spread all over. And we need to be able to come alongside and say, awesome. But only a parent can do that. Only a parent, a spiritual parent, watches their spiritual kids attempt things for God and say, you know what, I love you. I'm going to invest in you deeply, consistently, relationally, and with love in the person you are. Living the power of the gospel with open lives. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, so you become very dear to us. Look at this one-two punch. The gospel and this thing called life on life. It's when, we, when who we are becomes known. And this isn't easy. Many of us are introverts, and the idea of opening our lives up to somebody is scary and uncomfortable. To have people walking into our lives and rummaging through them seems a bit personal, doesn't it? Well, God may not be calling you to open your life to everybody, but there might be a somebody. Somebody that you connect with for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this connection allows you to have influence and to bring hope. Next time you read the letters of Paul, take a moment and see the transparency of which he writes. Paul opens himself up for others to see. He doesn't hide when he, his struggles, but he shows them and he shows where he finds his help, his strength and his healing. He embraces the hope for the gospel. And he strives to live out its implications. You know, often we think everybody else has it all together. We think that they don't struggle or fight with thoughts, discouragement, or heartbreak. We do not think that others have insecurities or wrestle with their faith. But when you let others see that you have struggles and have victories, it gives them encouragement that they can make it too. The gospel and your open life are a powerful combination. Investing sacrificially into the next generation. And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, whom God alone has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great, for the palace will not 
will not be for a man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. This is a beautiful story. David wants to build the temple. And God says, no, you can't. You can't do it. You got blood on your hands, David. He goes, fine, then I will make it possible for Solomon. I will give him all the resources. I will set it aside. I will invest. I will do it sacrificially. generation to be a success he sacrifices and provides the materials that Solomon needs may we be the people that provides for the next generation so that the gospel will be even greater for them let us invest in each generation spiritually that they may be able to carry out the gospel to both their generation and the one that follows, that they may be able to entrust a faithful people. To... But remember what I said. They're going to need some spiritual parents along the way. Because they're going to fail spectacularly. There was a young man. You've heard a version of the story, I know. He was headed home. He was sitting next to another man, an older man, and, and they were riding the train. And he said, What's, why are you so, so nervous, young man? And he said, because I'm headed home. I've messed up. I wrote a letter to my parents. I said, I'm coming home this day, and if you'll accept a ribbon on the tree, if you don't want me, I'll stay on the train and just keep going. How many young people, how many people leave the church because they've messed up and they're afraid? They're afraid that people in the church aren't going to forgive, aren't going to invest. Well, the story goes that the young man put his head down. He goes, I, I just can't look. And the older man said, well, I'll look for you. The older man said, don't worry, son. I don't know where they got all those ribbons. That tree is covered with every color of ribbon, every sort of ribbon. They probably emptied the town from ribbons. They want you. May that be what we are known for. That we're the church that invests in the next generation. And that the next generation says, this is our home. We mess up. But they keep on loving us. And they keep on investing in us. And they keep on caring about us. That's my church. And I'm going to take that to the generation that follows me. Amen? Amen.